G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. When saved by Jesus, the trajectory of your life is eternally altered as you go through identity transformation. If you believe that the Lord is the one who will reward you, and He's the only one who can reward you, not your boss and not your company, if you believe that you are serving God on your job, then you can be absolutely sure that He will treat you fairly, that He will reward your faithfulness, that He will bless you and make you a blessing. Pastor and author Dr. Michael Youssef with a challenging word to begin this episode of Leading the Way Audio. Up next, the benefits of living a transformed life. Get ready for straight-to-the-point words about being a responsible citizen and a diligent worker. Oh, and if you're unable to listen to this entire message, catch up at ltw.org, where you can stream, subscribe to one or all of Leading the Way's life-changing podcasts, or get details about smart home technology to hear the messages. But since you're here, please listen as Dr. Yusuf begins. Every one of us, as we study the Word of God on our own or teach it or whatever we do, is to ask two questions. What does it mean to the original readers of this epistle? And the second thing is, how can I apply this and the principles in my life today? There are some people who read a verse and run with it for what it means for them today. You've got to understand it. What was meant? What was the intention of the original writer to the original readers? You ask yourself those two questions, and you'll be blessed by the two answers. Now, Here is our responsibility, your responsibility as a person whose identity is being transformed by Christ into Christ-likeness. Now that we have received the sevenfold blessing, and that's why this sequence here is coming all the way through. Now that you've received the blessings of God, it is our responsibility to be a blessing to others. How? By being a blessing to the government, by being a blessing to our employer, by being a blessing to our workplace. Indeed, we can be a blessing to the world, and that is the desire of God's heart for His children to be. I'm sure someone is saying, how can I be a blessing to the government? By not being a guest of the government. (laughs) How can I not be a guest of the government? By obeying the laws of the land and paying taxes, (laughs) by not being a burden on the government, by working hard and paying my taxes, uh, by being a giver instead of a receiver. If every citizen would do that, the government would be blessed. As a matter of fact, if you read the history of great awakenings that have taken place in America, you read about some towns, literally, the police had to shut down, the courts had to shut down. It was no crime, no, no theft, no nothing, because of the Spirit of God moving in these revivals. May it happen again in America. Amen. Here's the logic of 1 Peter 2.13 to 16. You see, in the last message, I told you that the believers 
are mere tourists. They are travelers. They are pilgrims. They are sojourners. That our real home is heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are just mere travelers along this journey of life. And the Holy Spirit anticipate that somebody might conclude, well, since we are travelers, sojourners, that we can hear in this life we become anarchists, that we do not have to obey the laws of the land, that we refuse to obey the laws of the land, and we never worry about breaking the law. And that is why Peter goes immediately after saying this, and he says, a Yusuf translation, okay? Don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. That's just what it means. <laughs> Look at it this way. When a foreign diplomat representing his own country, his home country, in a host country, that diplomat, while he is loyal to his home country, he respects the laws of the host country. While he is living in this foreign country, he obeys the law of the host country. You see, a diplomat abides by the laws of the host country to avoid any hint of scandal that would diminish the reputation of his home country. Otherwise, he's going to embarrass his country. He is most anxious not to shame or dishonor or disgrace or bring disrepute to his home country. <laughs> and so, he does everything possible to represent his home country well. How? By respecting the laws of the host country. And that's exactly what Peter is saying for the believers in Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible calls us ambassadors. <laughs> we are foreign diplomats. Our home is heaven. Our king is Jesus. But we are living in this world as travelers, as sojourners, on our way home. For a believer whose identity is being transformed into Christ and by Christ, a believer whose citizenship is in heaven, real citizenship is in heaven, is an ambassador of Christ in this host country, whatever country you might be living in at the time. Now, don't ever forget, again, the context is very important, that Peter was writing to believers who are living under pure dictatorship. The dictator, Caesar, dictates, and people must follow. Peter couldn't even dream of a privilege of living in a country like the United States, where at the heart of governing is we the people. One of the greatest blessings that God had bestowed upon the United States of America, like no other country on the face of the earth, is the Constitution of the United States of America. That's why so many of us believe that God really helped those people, especially when they prayed for God to guide them along the way. Furthermore, Peter is not saying that a believer in Jesus Christ, whose citizenship is in heaven, is to live passively or to be a doormat or to be a punching bag. He's not saying that at all. Indeed, it is obedience to the law that must help us defend the First Amendment of the Constitution against those who want to change it. It is out of obedience to the law of the land that, listen to me, this is important because I know a lot of people are confused about this. 
those who want to undermine the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States, they are the ones who are breaking the law and disobeying the law, not us who are defending it. Are you with me? Amen. See, we are indeed obedient to the law when we defend that law of the land. Those freedoms that our laws have been given to us are a blessing that we must never, 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 never take for granted. How? By what I call mindless passivity. But as good, law-abiding citizen of this great country, we are to be involved in the political process. We are to work hard to change bad laws by legal and respectful means. Let me repeat this that we can change bad laws that are inconsistent with the Constitution by legal and respectful manner, especially if these laws contradict the Constitution. We are to exercise our privilege of voting. It breaks my heart when I hear that three million, four million, and all these millions of evangelical believers stayed home on voting day. My beloved friends, that is wrong. In many ways, our modern American tragedy is that while we are privileged to place people in authority, we sin against God when we do not protect that privilege by voting. Someone may say, well, wait a minute, Michael, wait a minute. But mine is just one vote. What would one vote do? I mean, what difference does a, a vote will do? Well, let me show you from history what one vote can do, okay? You ready? In 1645, 1645, one vote gave Oliver Cromwell control of the British Isles. In 1676, one vote gave us the English language and not the German language here in the United States. In 1845, one vote brought Texas into the Union. Now, some of them might not like that now, and they say, why is that one vote? That's not the issue here, okay? I'm not getting involved in this. (laughs) I'm just showing you that one vote can make a difference. In 1868, one vote saved Andrew Jackson from impeachment. In 1875, one vote changed France from monarchy to a republic. In 1876, one vote gave Rutherford B. Hayes the presidency. (laughs) In 1941... Listen carefully. One vote saved the selective service system from being demolished or abolished. And that, my beloved friend, was only 11 months prior to the attack on Pearl Harbor. So don't tell me one vote cannot make a difference. It's your responsibility. My responsibility is to take our citizenship seriously, and we vote. I don't tell you how to vote, but I can tell you, you pray, and God will guide you. See, your vote counts, and you owe it to God. You owe it to your country. You owe it to your family. You owe it to the future generation. You owe it to yourself to get involved in the political process and vote. But in the final analysis, Peter is saying God has to be obeyed first and foremost. Are you with me? If and when the law of the land conflicts with biblical authority and biblical conviction, then we'll have to make a decision just like the early church did. 
when they refuse to bow to Caesar. And like them, we must be willing to pay the price for our conviction. If the day comes and the government forbids me from preaching biblical truth, then I am willing and ready to disobey and pay the price for placing God above the government. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I am not a masochist. I pray to God that day will never happen, that day will never come. But if it does come, I'm willing to pay the penalty (laughs) and trust God for the outcome. In fact, that's where Peter is heading in the next message. Jesus trusted God for the outcome. It's the most injustice that had ever taken place, but Jesus trusted God for the outcome. That's to be in the next message. But if the day comes that the preaching of the fact that Jesus and only Jesus saves from hell, and that rejecting Jesus will take you straight to the place of torment, that if that preaching is considered to be hate speech, as it is proclaimed in certain parts of Europe, if that day comes and becomes the law of the land, then I am willing to break the law of the land. Like my Christian forebears, we must be willing to pay the price. Here's something I don't want you to forget. Rome did not persecute and kill and burn Christians for believing in Jesus. Did you know that? That really was not it. You see, Rome as a pluralistic, polytheistic, meaning believe in many gods, the more gods, the merrier. And so in the beginning, they said, yeah, let's hear about this. And only when these frisky Christians began to say, Jesus is the only way, and that's when they began to throw them to hungry lions. That's when they began to dip them in hot tar. That's when they began to light the garden of Nero with their burning bodies. And the believing Christians said, burn us if you must. Dip us in hot tar if you must. Throw us to hungry lions if you must. But we will worship only Jesus, not Jesus plus, not Jesus and. Amen. Amen. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. Give Him praise. Don't miss the levels of submission here. First, there is submission to God who's above all. Submission to Him is above submission to the law of the land. Then submission to the law of the land is above submission to the employer, because if an employer tells you to do something illegal, you can say no, because it's not legal. Peter said that those who speak against Christian believers are guilty of ignorant talk. Verse 15, (laughs) There are a whole lot of ignorant talk going on in these days. So what is the answer? Peter, thank God, gives us the answer. By our godly lives, we are to silence these foolish talkers and this foolish talk. First, we are to be a blessing to our country and society and nation, wherever we live. Secondly, we are to be a blessing at the workplace. I cannot honestly tell you how many times I heard people say Statements like this, if I have a different job, I would be happy. If I have a different boss, I would be happy. 
If I have a different work environment, I'll be happy. If I work for a different company, I'll be happy. If I have a different career, I'll be happy. If I have a different circumstances than the circumstances I'm in, I would be happy. <laughs> the problem is you cannot go through life wishing only if, only if, only if. Beloved, listen to me. You are where you are for a reason. And Peter is saying in verses 18 to 20 that while your identity is being transformed, you can be a blessing wherever you may be. Your life, wherever it may be, you are where you are because God wants you there. God placed you there. Even when you think you made a mistake, and trust me, if you read my books, you know that I made mistakes. But even in my mistakes, God overruled, and He brought His purposes out for His glory and my good. <laughs> Instead of wanting to bolt out and spend your life just steaming and fuming and fussing, ask the following, how can I be a blessing to my company? How can I be a blessing to my boss? How can I be a blessing to my employees? How can I be a blessing to my employer? How can I be a blessing to my neighbor? How can I be a blessing to my family? When Peter was writing to servants and telling them to submit to their earthly masters, I want you to listen carefully, listen very carefully. These were household servants. There are some estimates that there are upward of 60 million of them, these household servants, in the Roman Empire. And those so-called household servants, they range from manual labor all the way to professionals, teachers, engineers, accountants, and even physicians. And while they were living comfortably, they were not free to just pick up and go. They were often paid for their services, and on rare occasions, they can buy their freedom. But many of them become so close to their masters, become so close to the family, that they refused their freedom when it was offered to them, and they've decided to stay on because they're almost treated like members of the family. So you get that in the back of your head as a background. Here's something that we need to understand about the New Testament writers, and I know I've been asked that question many times. Why didn't Paul and Peter and the New Testament writers urge the Christian slaves to revolt against their masters? Listen carefully. I'm going to answer it once and for all, because I've heard people ask me that. Because they knew that Spartacus would have bathed Rome with their blood. Did you get that? While the New Testament teaches that with God's power, we can make the best of the worst circumstances, and yet the Bible served as a springboard to outlawing slavery later on. When William Wilberforce and Bible-believing Christians in Parliament and elsewhere with him changed the laws and outlawed slavery, they appealed to people who at least had some biblical knowledge. But they couldn't do so in first century Rome. Wilberforce himself was short, he was unimpressive, he had a weak voice, and, and many people kind of really did not think much of him. But listen 
to what the biographers have said about this man when he stood there based on the Scripture and spoke truth, and God used him single-handedly. One of the biographers, Boswell, said the following. He said, I saw what seemed to be a shrimp became a whale. That's what the power of God can do. While slavery is abolished. But I want to submit to you this morning, my beloved friends, I love you dearly. There are so many believers who are living in the slavery of fear. There are so many living in the slavery of worry and anxiety. There are some who are living dependent on chemical substance, and they're addicted with chains that they seem not able to break. There are some who are addicted to spending money that they don't have. And only Jesus can set you free. Here's the rule of thumb. A person who's enslaved to anything, anything, a person who's enslaved to anything cannot be a blessing. Cannot be a blessing. Yet the life of a transformed identity is a life that is set free, that it may be a blessing to many, be a blessing to everyone they come across, be a blessing to their community, a blessing to their nation, a blessing to the world. Here's a biblical principle. If you believe that you are working in your day job for the Lord, not for your boss or your company, if you believe that the Lord is the one who will reward you, and He's the only one who can reward you, not your boss and not your company, if you believe that you are serving God on your job, then you can be absolutely sure that He will treat you justly, that He will treat you fairly, that He will reward your faithfulness, that He will bless you and make you a blessing. That, my beloved friends, will make you live up to the responsibility of a transformed identity. Dr. Michael Yusuf with encouragement to experience identity transformation. Would you like to speak with someone about identity transformation in your life? Visit ltw.org Jesus and fill out a contact form. The Leading the Way pastoral team would love to connect at your convenience. ltw.org Jesus. You know, each day, the team at Leading the Way hears from people around the world who have faith questions and feel confident in approaching Leading the Way for answers. A note recently came to Leading the Way officers, and we wanted to share it with you, along with how the story played out. Here's a portion. I've been studying Christianity and wanted to know more about Christ and His message. One question that keeps coming to my mind is, will I receive complete forgiveness for the sins I've committed, no matter what my sins are? Our ministry teams emphasize that the blood of Jesus is enough for all sins. After several conversations, this person received Christ and quickly became a part of a local church. He often shares the beautiful feeling he experienced from coming to Christ. What an encouragement it was for the Leading the Way team. It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day tasks and challenges, but knowing that lives are being changed worldwide brings added strength and courage. Learn ways you can stand with Dr. Yusuf and impact souls with the gospel when you call 1-300-133-589 right now. And of course, ltw.org, ltw.org. Or you can write to Leading the Way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 
2751. Leading the way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. Before we run out of time for today, as an encouragement to our fellow listeners, I would like to invite you to share how God is using this program to encourage you in your walk of faith. I believe it is important to give testimony of how God is working in your life. And if leading the way is part of that, we would want to know. Please call us at 1-300-133-589. Now I want to hear all about it. And we just might share it on the program. Once again, the number is 1-300-133-589. Do it today. Thank you in advance and God bless. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.